Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. It's September 27th. Now, for this episode, we're going to go all into the Penguins 6-2 preseason loss to the Red Wings. The Penguins are now 1-2 on the preseason. No, this is not going to be an overreaction episode or anything like that with two weeks to go until the regular season. I do have a special guest to break down this game, um, look at the negatives, look at the positives, and all that jazz. Um, That's coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LA Marshall Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Joining me now, he hasn't joined the show in a while, was able to get some better lighting, at least for the YouTube audience, um, is Doug Glackey, host of the Four Checking TV and one of my favorite Penguins follows from Penguins Twitter. Doug, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just jump right into it. So a 6-2 to two loss to the Red Wings tonight. Saw some weird overreactions from people saying, well, you know, this is what happens when you bring the same team back. And I think Danny Shirey quoted a couple of them. I'm just like, all right, people, there's still two weeks to go until the regular season starts. Um, you know, overall, like, what, what is your you know biggest thought coming out of this game? I mean, my thing is this. It's like preseason games don't really matter. Um Various players throughout the top six look pretty good this evening. I think that's a big thing that we're looking for, you know. Um, very underrated game for Brock McGinn, even looking good outside of scoring the goal. You know, I think that that's something that we need to look forward to or and look for going into the year, especially with the fact that, like, we, we really haven't seen Brock McGinn at his best. You know, last year he had the injuries, he had the COVID. Um, absence as well and i feel like he was not the same player ever since he had to sit out for from having covid you know i mean i feel like he had a really nice start to the year last year and then he got sick and he just couldn't rebound um and i feel like we could say that for a good bit of for several different players from last year's roster but um yeah i think you know drew o'connor looked okay jason zucker looked pretty good had a nice little play on that uh pass for the rust goal and yeah, I think, you know, and obviously we'll get into the blue line in a little bit, but I think, you know, at this point, like in games like that, you just look for individual performances, especially in a preseason game. Yeah. I mean, for me with the preseason, the results really don't matter. I, I couldn't give two craps if they lose a preseason game. And yeah, I know some people may come in to tell me and they're like, well, you know, th- th- a lot of the regulars just lost to like a C of C version of the Red Wings. It's like, okay cool you know those guys are fighting for jobs a lot of these penguin players are going to be on the 23-man roster to open the season they look like they were playing hungover after they got drunk off their butts last night it's it's september 27th there are 16 days until the regular season starts for this team i I really don't think they care um that much and speaking of brock mcginn funny enough doug i was looking at the uh, game scores tonight from hockey stat cards he led all Penguins players in game score with almost, almost a, a, a little over about, I think it was like 1.7, something like that. 
Um, and funny enough, Brian Rust was right behind him. And then Jason Zucker was right behind him. So, and that honestly matches up with the eye test. You know, McGinn had that wicked shot on display tonight that opened up the scoring. That's more of what I want to see from him this regular season. I definitely do agree that, you know, the, his COVID and I think the injury that he also had down the stretch really hampered him. He didn't look like the same player um, in the playoffs. He's able to score double-digit goals, which is good, but, you know, he wasn't able last year, I guess, to justify the contract that the Penguins gave him. But, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and, you know, fire the puck like he did tonight, um, I definitely think, you know, he could be someone that, you know, has a much better second year on that four-year term um, than the first year. Um, Brian Rust, really nice goal off a feed from Jason Zucker, was able to roof that to make it 4-2. I thought he was flying all over the ice. And, you know, the same for Zucker. Um, I think he's had a really good camp so far. He's had a really good preseason. I think he ha- I think he has something to prove um, after, you know, he's just been banged up a lot throughout his Penguins tenure. You know, he's someone that just really can't catch a break, to be honest with you. So um, the fact that he's playing well right now is also doing well in practices. Um, I think that, I mean, I hope, I hope, I hope that it bodes well for the regular season. We also, we also what happened last year with Kasperi Kaplan. This was the exact same thing. Didn't play well in the regular season, but you know, I think Zucker is, I think has more talent than him. I think he can, you know, is, has a better chance of scoring 20 to 25 or something like that. But no, those were the, I think definitely the three main players that stood out to me and we'll get to Ty Smith in a little bit, but I think those are the, the main three that stood out to me. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and to touch on Brock McGinn real quick, I feel like to live up to that contract, it's not really that hard with how good of a defensive presence he is on the ice. All he really has to do is score like 12 to 15 goals a year. And the contract pretty much pays for itself. As for Jason Zucker, um, this is a big year for him. You know, he's, he's in a contract year. He's been hurt pretty much the entire time that he's been in Pittsburgh. and you know, obviously, I feel like expectations have changed ever since he's gotten here. You know, every once we got him from Minnesota, everybody was like, OK, he's like going to be a 30 goal guy every single year. Play with Sid, play with Gino. But now I think we're to a point now where it's like you just want Jason Zucker to stay healthy. And we I think we're all hoping for him to be a really good third wheel for that Evgeny Malkin line. Yeah. You know, I think that you can tell that Mike Sullivan's starting to do the lines in pairs again. Um, we saw that in a Seth Rohrbar article last week. And I think, you know, with the doing the lines in pairs, as long as Zucker's able to hold his head above water on a line with Malkin and Rust, everything should be okay um, with his play and the expectation for the player. Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. And, you know, it's, you know, we, we were able to see Zucker, Malkin, Rust tonight, you know, they had better numbers than the Gensel Crosby Raquel line. If you go to natural stat trick, uh, Gensel was on the ice for only four chance, uh, four shot attempts for 11 chance, 11 shot attempts against Sid, not much better. Four chances for uh, chances, um, four shot attempts for 10 shot attempts against for a 28% Corsi percentage and Ricard Raquel's uh, possession numbers, only 36%. So um, not the greatest debut, for that line, I'm not really too concerned. I think they're going to want to give both lines more reps, especially especially in camp um, and in the preseason. Um, but, you know, I, I like the potential that both have. We all know how good Rust is 
with Malkin, you know, underlying numbers wise, you know, well over 50% in shot attempts per 60, scoring chances, high danger percentage, um, all that stuff. And, you know, Raquel last year, I know it was a very small sample size, but he looked like a natural fit with Sid and Jake. And, you know, this game notwithstanding, you know, the numbers have been pretty solid um, throughout that. And, you know, for game, the game score tonight, um, that also, you know, lived up as well. I think uh, Crosby had the third worst uh, game score again. So was the fourth worst and Raquel was the fifth worst. So uh, a lot of the, some of the Penguins top players, uh, not good performances tonight, but am I going to read that much into it? No, I'm not because I'm sure if they all play again in the, ne- in the next game, if they do, um, I think their numbers would be a lot better to say the least. Yeah, I agree. You know, and the truth is, is the people that are reading into it already, already have a narrative out against this team, um, which is what it is, you know, and I just want to touch on, you know, them breaking up the Gensel Malkin or the Gensel Crosby rest line. Um, I think that's going to be really, really good. Um, in theory, we just have, you just have to wait and see if it works. You know, it's all about lineup distribution. I feel like whenever Russ is on the top line with Sid and Jake, it does make them a little top heavy. So if you can put him with Malkin as a way to keep Malk, I'm not, I'm not worried about like the so-called get Malkin going. I think Malkin's going to have a great year. But if you put him with, if you put Brian Rust with Malkin in an effort to unlock Jason Zucker in this offense, I feel like a lot of things are going to take care of itself from a, scoring depth perspective you know um i know everybody's worried about jeff carter but danton heinen and kasperi kapanen are great third wheels for him in theory if it does indeed end up being the third line and you know like that's the thing is like you got to spread the talent out throughout all four lines um i feel like that's something that mike sullivan got away from a little bit um for over the past two to three years ever since we got into the COVID year and the COVID break. Um, And I'm looking forward to this season. Hopefully they're able to stick with it and he doesn't have to shuffle the lines early on in the year. That would be a best case scenario. Also, it would be awesome if the team could stay healthy, but you know, it's, this is the Pittsburgh Penguins we're talking about here. So I'm sure there's probably um, bound to be some injuries um, at some point. Um, still a lot more to get to for this episode, including thoughts on Ty Smith and how smooth his skating is, the special teams. That's all coming up um, a bit later on. A couple, Maybe one of those topics will be coming up right after this commercial break. But before we get to that, we got to discuss Bet Online. It's your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. You can head to BetOnline or use your phone to learn more. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. I have Doug Glackey here as my guest. So <clears throat> Doug, let's start, let's start with, I guess the negative here about this and special teams. Um, Penguins had eight or nine power plays tonight. Didn't convert on a single one, which is, you know, hard to believe, even though it's a preseason game, looked out of sorts on the power. Both units looked out of sorts, disjointed. I tweeted at times. It looked like they were just trying to pass the puck into the net. It looked like they were trying to Harlem Globetrotters against just a bunch of kids. 
Um, and I guess it's kind of expected in a way, you know, they're just trying to look for the perfect play against a lot of players that aren't going to be in the NHL this year. Um, but you know, sometimes less is more and they needed to just get back to basics. I think Mike Sullivan talked about it after the game that they haven't had a lot of reps, but certainly they are going to now because this performance was definitely not that inspiring. I didn't really notice anything different systematically, which is kind of weird considering how average the unit was last year. Um, what did you think of the power play? And are you any concerned about, are you any concerned about it going into this season? I am concerned about it. And I feel like this is something that we've been discussing off and on for quite a few years now. Um, you know, the big issue is, is like the special teams aspect of the team is starting to get stale a little bit. You know, and it's not a, I don't really think it's a personnel issue either. I mean, you have three of the most talented players of this era on the ice with two of your star counterparts. You should be able to put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. You know, this isn't, this is something that, in my opinion, has been hindering them ever since they traded Castle away. Um, for whatever reason, Phil Kessel was just so talented on the power play that he was able to really unlock the true potential of the Penguins' power play when during his time here. You know, and I think, I mean, I don't really think you need to switch it up. And the truth is, is like if you were to switch something up from a player personnel perspective, the only thing you're probably really switching up is like Rust for Raquel. You know, or, and I really don't think there's any other options. Um, you know, and it's all about like, I think it comes down to coaching, you know, same with the PK, you know, the PK is going to be a major point of contention this year, I fear, because Tristan Jari was incredible in penalty kill situations last year, and it made the penalty kill look way better than what it actually is, in my opinion. It, it surely did, um, you know, backtracking a little bit. Uh, to get back to the power play, I'm going to get to that in just a second because I have a stat to share with all the listeners here about the penalty kill and stuff and Tristan Jari. Um, you know, it's just, it definitely, I think it does, it does come down to coaching. Um, I saw the same stuff that we saw last season, you know, passes off the end boards going back with the drop pass, just really bad passes going into the zone. Not a lot of clean zone entries. That's been a problem for them the last year or two. Um, and then once they get into the zone, it's just, oh, pass to you. Oh, I'm going to pass back and then I'll pass again. And then another pass. And it's like, you know, not taking enough shots to the net. You're trying to pass it in. You're trying to Harlem Globetrotter kids. It's, it's not going to work. And, you know, I, again, Mike Sullivan talked about it after the game. He said they haven't had a lot of reps in games and camp and all that, just because, you know, lately the schedule has been really busy. Okay. Well, maybe it's time to start giving you some reps because oh for eight, oh for nine against a bunch of players who are probably not going to be in the NHL. Definitely a little bit cause for concern. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, the power play is going to stink this year and all that. I mean, you know, there's going to be hot moments for this unit just because of the talent that they have. And there's also going to be some bad moments. But I think the big key is to manage those bad moments and for them to not pop up as much as they did last year and to maybe make some changes to the system where, you know, you're making it easier for the players to, to gain entry to the zone with the puck and you know you're preaching you know a, a more of a shoot first mentality you know i know these players have been doing a power play for almost two decades of their life at this one probably longer in the nhl almost but you know less is more 
And, you know, I, I didn't see that tonight against a PK unit that, you know, is honestly not that good, to be honest with you. And, you know, for the penalty kill, um, here's a stat for you, Doug, and all the listeners. Tristan Jari ranked in the 99th percentile last year in goals saved above expected in um, penalty kill situations. He bailed their butts out all more times than not and made that unit, as you said, look better than it did. And, oh, what happened when he got hurt down the stretch and in the playoffs? The numbers regress because, oh, Louis Domingue is in net. I mean, obviously, Louis Domingue is not Tristan Jari, but still, when you put someone else in net that is not in the 99th percentile for goals saved above expected on the pe- on the penalty kill, you know, you're not going to have those kind of same kind of results. And also, for as good as I think Jari is going to be this year, one of my bold predictions that he's going to be a Vesna finalist. I don't know if he's going to rank in the 99th percentile for goals hit above expected on the man on the um, penalty kill. So that is a unit that needs to be better. I saw some of the same things I saw during the playoffs um, and during parts of the regular season where they're just not being aggressive enough. Um, they're sitting back. They're allowing players to take shots from anywhere on the ice. Didn't really see anything different systematically on that unit too. Um you know, I know the Penguins just gave their two assistant coaches some extensions, but, you know, those extensions, they're not going to look the prettiest if the special team units that they coach um, have more of the same results this season. Yeah, I agree. You know, and another thing with the PK is, like, it all comes down to the PK groupings and the PK personnel, you know. I mean, we can already pretty much predict what the penalty kill is going to be opening night. Um, obviously, you're going to have McGinn and Bluger, which is okay. But, you know, it's probably going to be Jeff Carter and Drew O'Connor on that second unit, which isn't either here nor there. But in terms of the aggressiveness aspect, I feel like if they finally started using Kasperi Kapanen in penalty kill situations – you could amp up the aggressiveness because he's fast enough and he's enough of a speed demon. He's able to wreak havoc on a penalty kill, in my opinion. You know, he did that a lot in Toronto. He was pretty good at it in Toronto. I think it's something worth exploring at least um, because you need to be able to, you need to spice it up a little bit, I think. You know, I mean, Jeff Carter's going to have to center. But if Drew O'Connor struggles out of the gate on the PK, I would look to see that, you know, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think another player who, you know, I don't know if you mentioned him yet. Maybe maybe, maybe you did. But um, I think Kasperi Kapanen should be getting more PK minutes when he's healthy. I know he was sick tonight. Um, he played really good on that unit in Toronto. Uh, had some good results. I think it was 2018-19 when he had his, probably his best NHL season. Um, I would look for him to potentially get more minutes, whether it's on the first, I don't think it'll be on the first unit, but second unit, maybe a third kind of unit of players that go out there. I think that would also be really good. You know, it get, maybe gets him more confidence, gets him more opportunities to put the puck in the back of the net. You can use his speed to his advantage. Um, I'm, I've been a big proponent of that throughout the off season. And I think that would really make a lot of sense. What, what, what would you think about that? Yeah, I agree. You know, and I feel like with PK units, you always have that fifth guy you rotate in. He should be that fifth guy. You know, I feel like last year they were using Brian Boyle and Evan Rodriguez in that same type of role. And both of those players have departed. So somebody else has to step up. 
And, you know, it's probably going to be, it could be Kapanen, but also you're going to probably see a rotation of Brian Rust in there, which would be okay. But I would prefer them to defer to Kapanen in that situation because I don't want them to take away from Brian Rust at 5v5 and on the power play to use him on the PK. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair to say. Um, you know, it's just, you know, definitely, I think a good idea to, you know, to put in the back burner, say, at least, you know, we'll have to see if maybe he gets some PK time when he inevitably plays um, in another preseason game. Um, still have a little more to get to for this episode, including some talk on Ty Smith and the rest of the defensemen. That's all coming up right after our final commercial break. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Lawrence Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, Doug, let's get to the defense. You know, we saw potentially the six players that are going to be on the opening night. Um, well, opening night. Well, definitely will be on the opening night roster, I would think, but definitely potentially um, all starting on opening night. Dumont, Latang, Patterson, Petrie, Smith, and Ruta. Um, um, I know you were texting me about this, but – I loved watching Ty Smith tonight. His skating is so fluid. Um, definitely, I think, the best attribute of his game. Um, sometimes wasn't making the best decision coming up the ice with the puck. But, I mean, his skating is something to behold. It was really nice seeing him quarterback the second power play unit. I think in terms of game score, um, if I look at it here, um, he, you know, part, you know, defensively, he ranked positive offensively. Um, he did not. Him and Jan Ruto were... Um, a bit negative in that category. Um, so kind of a, you know, a washed, a wash in those kind of areas, but, you know, through a couple of preseason games so far, I've been really impressed with him. Um, just, you know, with his playmaking ability in the offensive zone, his skating ability defensively, you know, there will obviously be some things to clean up a little bit. Um, they're sheltering on the third pairing like they did with Mike Matheson, which is good. Um, what have you seen from Smith so far? That's really jumped out at you. I feel like a lot of the things that we've seen thus far have been very encouraging, especially from the skating aspect, you know, it's not just like good fluid skating. Like I feel like he's very, very explosive, especially skating zone entries into the offensive zone. Um, You know, obviously this is going to be a process with him. You know, his numbers were really, really bad last year. And I think, you know, there's still going to be those moments where he does look bad, but I feel like the good is going to far outweigh the bad, um, especially with him quarterbacking, potentially quarterbacking the second unit. I mean, we don't really know what it's fully going to look like once camp breaks, but I'd look to see him quarterback that second unit. I feel like you need to be able to, I feel like the best thing for him is to have him use his offensive instincts, especially on the power play. And another thing that I really want to see is, I want him to play the right side. I want Ruta on the left and Ty on the right. I think that you need to open up the backdoor passes. You know, especially when he's out being deployed with Sid's line. You know, this is nothing new for Sidney Crosby. Hitting up a defenseman with the backdoor pass. I think that it would really be a good secondary option for scoring. uh, Potentially, if it works. So there's my hot take of the episode, Hunter. There, 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 there is a hot take right there. So you would have both of them on their offside, basically, um, in shelter minutes. Yes, and 
I mean, Ruda has played the left side before, and Ty Smith played a lot of the right side while he was playing junior in Spokane. And if I do, I, I do believe he his rookie season in New Jersey was played predominantly on the right side as well. So I think it's something worth exploring, at least to start. That would be interesting. I'm not really sure if Mike is going to go for it just because um, – <coughs> excuse me. Um, he usually likes playing, you know, players on their strong side, except Mark Freeman. Like he, he loves playing him on the left, uh, for some reason, even though he's a righty. So it could have a chance of happening, but you know, I, I think it's, I guess more likely that he'll probably start on his strong side. Um, moving gears a little bit, Doug, Brian Dumoulin, you know, was bad at a game score tonight, at least, um, worst among all Penguins defensemen, uh, almost a negative one. When it comes to offense and defense, uh, Latang um, didn't have a good performance, but you know, I'm not really worried about him. But you know, Dumoulin, a lot of concern about him coming into this season. Last year of his contract, um, I was one of the people that thought you know he should be the one to go um, this offseason, even though it would have been interesting to see how they would have replaced him. Definitely not an encouraging performance. I think overall his skating looked a step slow. He just hasn't been the same since another long-term injury, and I think you know that has the potential to sadly rear its ugly head again this season, just because he wasn't good last year. I think of all players that played tonight, the one player I'm actually most concerned about, even though it's a preseason game is Brian Dumoulin. I totally agree with you there, you know, and the issue is, is it's always those defensemen that play the style that Dumoulin plays. They tend Mm. to get injured very frequently and then their play just suddenly falls off a cliff once they get to this age plateau that Dumoulin's at right now. Um, you know, and that's the issue. Like, the skate, it was blatantly obvious the skating was not good. And I think, you know, it's a cause for concern because the last thing you want is for a player to be sinking crystal tank, you know, especially with how good of a year he had last year. Um, and the, the main issue right now is like, how the hell do you replace him? Like, if you do have to pull the plug, how do you really replace him? You know, because Pedersen looks, Pedersen looks like he's going to be partnered with Petrie. And I think that that's something that needs to happen. And you're not going to put Ty Smith up there. Like (laughs) there's no way that would be a disaster. You're Um, not going to put POJ up there either. No, you know, so really like what are you gonna have to what do you what do you do you know they would have to almost trade for someone at some point but they also have nine defensemen right now and i don't think they really want to do that again so um it's just a tough problem that what they're gonna do i think they're gonna have to hope beyond hope that last year was just a fluke and that he can get back to his normal self but if not uh they might be up a creek on the top pairing this year because that was that was last year was i think the first year where we really saw that pairing struggle beyond belief, no matter the, what the situation was. Yes, I agree. You know, and it's even scarier because you think of it like once we get into the second half of the year, what is what exactly is that going to look like? Um, you know, and mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, they are, for lack of a better term, they're screwed. Like they they have to stick with Dumoulin because – you're not going to stick Mark Friedman up there. You're not sticking Chad Ruedel on his offside. And as much as I want to see POJ play, putting him up there with Chris Letang at this point would be putting him in a position to fail. 
yeah, I mean, they, they tried that, I think, a couple seasons ago, and the other nine numbers were not pretty. I think the possession was below 50%. Scoring chances were below 50 Um, That was when the Penguins had, I think, a lot of defensemen hurt or out to COVID. Um, it just it wasn't pretty. Um, Doug, you got anything else to add about this game? Any other any overreactions or anything uh, with two weeks to go, or do you think do you think we covered everything? Just wanted to give you the floor one more time. No real overreactions here. Um, you know, one thing I'm curious about though is Drake Kajula. Do you think he has a spot on this roster? You know, I'm intrigued about him. That okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm definitely. And I'll try to interrupt you. I'll let you finish up after this. I mean, I definitely I'm intrigued about the possibility. I thought he played fine tonight. Didn't really mm-hmm. stand out either way. But no, that's basically kind of what, what a tweener player does. He's on a two way contract, so he, he's um, waiver exempt. Um, he doesn't need to uh, pass through waivers to go back down to Wilkesbury. Um, I'm more excited about him than I am about someone like Josh Archibald. I think he brings more offense to his game. I think he's better defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, you know. I don't think Archibald has guaranteed anything at this point anyway, even though he's on a no. one-way deal. But um, Kajula, you know, the fact that he was in tonight, he, he, I don't know if he would he would have been out if Kampanen would have played, but the fact that he was in and, you know, someone like Archibald was out, you know, I think that's definitely something to monitor. But I'm sure they're all going to get reps in the final three preseason games as they try to figure this thing out. Yeah, I feel like if anyone would have sat, sat tonight, it would have probably been Redeem Zahorna. But mm. – um I'm 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 also very intrigued about Kajula because like he just seems like one of those players where it's like if you get him into this structured Mike Sullivan system, you could probably stick him on a fourth line with Teddy Bluger and Brock McGinn, and he not look out of place and potentially score some goals here and there and be a good asset to the team. That would certainly be good. You know, I'm mean, we'll have to see how if he keeps playing well in camp and you know plays well in preseason. But you know, he definitely has a decent shot at, you know, making this roster out of camp. And I'm certainly excited about that. But um, I think that wraps up tonight's episode. Doug, I don't know you have too many other thoughts about this game. After all, again, it's just a preseason. But, um, Doug, for those that have never listened to you before, um, let, let everyone know where they can follow you and what's coming up on the show. All right. You can follow my personal Twitter at Doug underscore Gladke and then follow for checking TV on Twitter at for checking TV. And be sure to subscribe to Four Checking TV on YouTube. Um, Scotty and I have really resolved our work schedule differences here. And we're going to start recording every single weekend on Saturdays. And it'll be posted every week. So there you go. Yeah. Go check out the show. You know, they, they do a really good job there. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday. We're just about two weeks away from the start of the regular season. And, you know, I'm glad glad we're talking about hockey games at this point, even though it's preseason, that doesn't mean anything, but, you know, still beats, you know, beating the same drum about the same topic um, three to five days a week. That's for sure. But again, thank you all so much for listening and I'll talk with you all on Wednesday.